0: Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, I just ask, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak, that uh, as we look at what you have to say to us, that we would be open to your leading, to your teaching, and that we, too, would have a spirit of humility as we learn what from you this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I look back at the so-called greatest generation, It strikes me that the only way that they could have accomplished all that they did was that they must have worked together. Whether they were on the front lines overseas or in a munitions factory here at home, they were united in their cause. And yet, realistically, we have to be able to uh, assume and know that they could not have agreed on everything. They must have had differences of beliefs. They, Despite their common goal, they lived different lives. And so how did they accomplish so much despite the differences that they must have had? And if you've been on Facebook, social media, if you've watched the news in the last week or in the last few months, Maybe you, like me, get the feeling that we are more of a country divided than a country united right now. On one end of the spectrum, you have people gloating over the fact that Mr. Trump won the presidency. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have people rioting and protesting over the same victory. And I don't want to get political, and I won't get political this morning, and these, those are maybe extremes to the feelings in the country. But the question I want to ask and work through this morning with you is, what is the Christian response? What is the biblical response to the times that we're in? As Christians, how can we be effective in communicating the love of Christ to someone who thinks differently than us? There's, when there's so much widespread disdain and maybe even hatred towards the other party. Three things that I think are, are very important. Number one, we must remain strong in our faith, in our beliefs, and the truths of God's words. This is number one right here. This is, this is what we base our lives off of. And we have to continue to do that. We must have unity within the body of Christ, even if we have different political views. Not everyone in this congregation this morning thinks the way that I think politically, or thinks the way that you think politically. And yet we have unity because we have the same Savior that saved us, and we must maintain that unity as a body. And then we must interact and relate with love to to those who think differently than you think, those who think differently than I think. Otherwise, we're only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And that can get irritating sometimes. So I'm gonna ask that you would just think critically with me for a few minutes. And I'm aware that you might not agree with everything that I say this morning. And I know that when Sarah and I have a disagreement, she often, accuses me, (laughs) rightly, of getting defensive. And I do get defensive. I get very defensive very quickly. But let's not do that this morning. Let's consider the relevant cultural issues that we're facing today. Because if we can't do that as the body of Christ, then we are irrelevant to those who are lost. So first of all, as Christians, we must keep the main thing the main thing. Our primary message, we, I spoke a few weeks ago that we are ambassadors of Christ. Our primary message is the love of Christ, the gospel of Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, and the sins of the world. Think about the Apostle Paul. Think of the times that the Apostle Paul lived in. The nation of Israel is under Germ- or German occupation. Excuse me. Roman occupation. Mixing two histories. <laughs> Roman occupation. Nero is the emperor with a hatred for Christians. So the Apostle Paul found himself in prison more than once. And what was he in prison for? Not for creating political unrest, but for boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he had concern for the body of Christ that he couldn't visit and see face to face, so he wrote letters. And what did he write in his letters? He tirelessly worked to build up the body of Christ and to boldly proclaim the gospel. His, his message was not one of politics, it was one of the love of Christ. They were for the edification of the church, for the spread of the gospel. He was more interested in the heavenly kingdom to come than the earthly kingdom that he lived in. In Philippians chapter three, uh, he wrote this to the people in, in uh, Philippi from prison. This is what the apostle Paul wrote. For many, of, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as the enemy of the cross of Christ. He wasn't ignorant to the fact that there were many out there promoting um, ideology and beliefs that were contrary to God's word. He goes on, he says, Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And considering the election that we just had, your thoughts might have gone to one candidate and said, that's what that verse is talking about. But let's be aware that in this room, there are people whose minds and thoughts went to the other candidate than what you thought. But we still have one savior, we are united. Verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. This is, what, this is where Paul's focus was on. Not what was going on around him, but on heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That's gonna be a glorious day. Get rid of these old bodies and get a new body. I can't wait. As Christians, that should be the date that we are looking forward to, that we are preparing for. And I'll have to admit, November the 8th is a date that's been on my mind a lot lately. And honestly, more than this date, not more than Christian things or biblical things or what is right, but more than that date, I've been thinking about November the 8th. And it's good to, to be involved. but our citizenship is in heaven. Paul says to to Timothy, in 2 Timothy, he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We get tangled up sometimes. I'll speak for myself, I get tangled up sometimes. We need to be like the Apostle Paul whose eyes were heavenward and we must keep the main thing, the main thing. What about the political topics that divide us? There are many. Let me just bring up one. Not to take sides, not to tell you what you should think, but this is a relevant issue that people are talking about. There's been a lot of talk about our borders, right? Our border to the south, A big election promise was to build a wall. And we have our international borders, fighting and arguing. Who's gonna be, who are we gonna let in? How many are we gonna let in? How are we gonna make sure they're safe? What countries are they gonna be from? On a lighter note, our border to the north. (laughs) If so-and-so doesn't get elected, I'm going to Canada. But the first two, they make us a little uneasy. However you think about it, it makes us a little bit uneasy sometimes. But consider one thing with me on this topic, just as an example of thinking critically about some of these issues that we face. The choir yesterday at at the funeral sang, I should have got the name from Mildred, but the song where it talks about that we will go from grace into glory and touch his nail-scarred hand. Promised land? Banks of the promised land. land. Who's looking forward to that day? Amen. Amen. But when will that day come? Not until every tongue, tribe, and nation is represented. But they don't hold our values. They don't keep our traditions. They don't speak our language. They might not be safe. We'll just send a few to them. Again, the Apostle Paul, I don't think he was comfortable in all of the circumstances he found himself in. In Philippians chapter 1, this is what he writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So here's the Apostle Paul. He finds himself in prison. I don't think that was his goal. Like I think he had a lot of things he wanted to do. I don't think being in prison was one of them. And he writes to the Philippians and said, this actually worked out pretty well because I don't know how else the the Imperial Guard would have known about Christ. And all these prisoners are getting to hear about him too. Let's look at how Jesus viewed those on the other side of the fence from him. but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We haven't been called to build up walls and make sure nobody different than us gets inside here. But we've been called to extend love and grace and the life-changing message of the gospel. If that means here, then it's here. If that means overseas, then it's overseas. We have to be careful not to have our political leanings affect how we relate to someone who doesn't know the gospel, or maybe does know the gospel and thinks differently than us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul reminds us, he reminds the Ephesians, it's a, it's a reminder to us, that we were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was us. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he has made himself, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus didn't build walls, he broke them down. And I don't mean that in a political way. I mean that in a, in a very little personal way. We have walls between us and our neighbor, walls between us and someone uh, at work that doesn't think the same of us. Those are the walls I'm talking about. So when something political comes up this week, Remember, it's not the main thing. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. From time to time, I lose focus on what's important. I really do. And as I've watched, listened to people propagate, complain, protest, celebrate, I feel like I'm not the only one that loses focus sometimes. I believe that as Christians, we should be involved in the political arena. But as one of your pastors this morning, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself the same question that we spoke on a few weeks ago, are we representing Christ well? According to David Kinnaman, he's the president of the Barna Research Group, young people 18 to 29 see Christians as hypocritical, too much focused on getting people saved and therefore inauthentic, anti-homosexual, sheltered, too political, and judgmental. He also noted, that, and that was 75% of 18 to 29 year olds. Another common sentiment was that they rarely see Christians who embody service, compassion, humility, forgiveness, patience, kindness, peace, joy, goodness, and love. I'd like to call Mr. Kinnaman and invite him to our church. Because the hallmark of the house of prayer, this body of Christ that we call the house of prayer, is our love for not just each other, but for anyone who would come to worship with us. Uh, my, my in-laws, where's, where's, where's Gail? I didn't think this would bother me, but it, in the early 70s, my mother-in-law and father-in-law came to this area and came into this church, which would have been the old chapel back there, and maybe some of you were here that Sunday, And before they came in, they were met by Pastor Jerry's father, Clarence, and he got to know them a little bit. But you have to understand early 70s, in a conservative Bible preaching church, the middle of the Bible Belt, and came two hippies (laughs) from the north. And I can promise you they didn't look like anybody in that service this morning. (laughs) They didn't talk like anybody in the service that morning. They didn't act like anybody in the service that morning and they definitely did not think like the congregation did that morning. And Clarence stood up. He put his arm around my father-in-law and said, I'd like to introduce you to my friends. I wouldn't be here this morning, I don't think, if he hadn't done that. And I'm encouraged by the fact that I am a part of a congregation that is like that. We have the greatest message in the history of the world. The Bible says, to those who are perishing, it is foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. A power that can change any life. He certainly changed our lives. Jesus came that we may have life more abundantly. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are the characteristics that an unbeliever should see in a Christian, not hypocritical, sheltered, judgmental, political. We have an opportunity during this time in our nation's history to begin to change that perspective of Christians. Jesus said, by this people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another John 3:16 for God so loved the not the pro life not the mostly moral not the republican not the democrat not the church goer not the american or the canadian God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. Who are we to decide who's worthy for us to interact with? I don't preach this today because I think I've got this figured out. I've got a long way to go. Many of you are ahead of me in this. Maybe somebody's like me. I think we have to remember who our enemy is. Because our enemy, Satan, wants us to think that it's somebody we can see, but he's our enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And so I wanna challenge us as a church to leave here today and prove those statistics wrong. Continue to prove those statistics wrongs because many of us are already doing that. I could be better at that. Let's be the ones to reach across the aisle in love with the life-giving message that we have. And so this is my challenge to each and every one of us this morning. We all have our they's and them's, don't we? If you go back to the uh, immigration issue again, there's kind of four groups in that that discussion. There's the the illegal immigrant, there's the legal immigrant, I belong to that group, There are those that think we should build a wall, that we should keep everybody out, and there are those that think we should bring in as many as we can. Those are very polarizing groups. So there's a good chance that you belong to one of those groups and everyone else is they or them. They think this. I can't believe that they would, and you could apply that to just about any topic. We all have our theys and thems, and I am guilty of that. Let's make a point this week to reach out to someone in our they or them group. Develop a friendship with someone in your they or them group. Because God loves them just as much as He loves me and as much as He loves you. We are one. Not with everyone, as a body of believers, we are one. And they will know we are Christians by our love. I would like to be able to stand up here in 10 years and say, remember we talked about that statistic, 75% of people viewed Christians? Now it's the other way around. 75% of people view Christians as loving, caring, intentional making a difference. And we've got, we have got a great group here this morning. We have people in this group every week for providing clothes through Elijah's closet, feeding across the street, or giving food so they... We have people reaching out, and we need to continue to do that. I'm not saying this church is represented by 75% of us are hypocritical and judgmental and political and all the rest. But we need to continue to make sure that we are on the leading edge of those who love and those who accept. Not accept that they're right. That I, It's not a battle over right and wrong. This is a battle for the soul of those who don't know our Savior. It's not a political fight. And so I ask that you would join with me in loving this week. Love your neighbor, your coworker. Reach across to the they's and the them's and share with them the love of Christ and how it's made a difference in your life. And that will do far more to change our political landscape than anything else we could do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are so, so good to us. You loved us while we were still sinners. You sent your Son for us. We come and we sing our praises to you every week for that, Lord. May our focus this week be that we would share the love that you have for us with those that we come into contact with that don't know who you are. Maybe they've rejected the truth of your word. Lord, let it be said that the House of Prayer is a church that loves. That people are so attracted to this, to, to what it is that we have, Lord, and that's your spirit that they would want to know more about who you are and how great you are and how you make a difference in lives. Lord, give us boldness like the Apostle Paul to remain focused on the main thing. I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go with the Lord.